Welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I am your host, Mia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, but not if we're stressed out and exhausted. Looking at food, lifestyle, spirituality, and work, the Plan Simple Podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier and happier future. Listen in for inspirational conversations and valuable strategies to plan for your best life. Hey, you guys, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. This is a really, really fun episode that I got to record the guest in bed. That sounds kind of funny. But later in this episode, I'm going to get on my 12-year-old daughter, Orly, who is the one who has had celiac, who has multiple food allergies. And I thought it would be really fun to get a kid's perspective on what this feels like. That is after I go through my seven tips and big lessons that I've learned raising her. So I wanted you to hear both sides of the coin. And so this episode is a little bit for people who have a child who you're needing to take out food for some reason, either a sensitivity or celiac or some other autoimmune disease or an allergy. But... If you don't if you don't find yourself in that situation, that's awesome. I think it would still be useful for just raising healthy kids, but also I think the more that we can understand what it's like to raise a child with allergies or sensitivities, the more we can be helpful in our community because almost all of us know somebody in our classroom, on our soccer team who has this and the more sensitive and helpful we can be toward that family, I just feel like the better place this world is going to be. So maybe you'll learn something anyway. All right. And before I dive into the tips and to my chat with Orly, I have one announcement, which is just coming up in a couple of weeks in early September, we're jumping into a fall challenge where we are going to look at how to not feel busy this fall. Now that doesn't mean that our calendars aren't full, but I feel like so many of us, our response to how are you, our answer is busy. And we sort of fizzle in that answer because there's part of us that doesn't want to be so busy, part of us that's exhausted, part of us that can't believe that we have to drive one more place or sit at one more soccer game or wait for one more minute for somebody to finish something. And it just feels nonstop and we're, you're here because you're wanting to sort of put your self-care and exercise and food higher on your to-do list, but it just feels like there's no time and you're not sure where to get it. So that is what we are going to dive into in this week-long challenge. We're really going to look at simple strategies you can use. So I'm not saying you're going to have like whole days that you're lying on the beach like you did in the summer, but you're going to bring some of the feeling of that, of how you felt in the summer into the fall so that you can show up as a better parent, as a better worker, as a better friend to everyone around you, and that your answer isn't always busy. Your life can be full without being busy and frazzled, all right? So if that sounds cool, if you want to be part of that challenge, Go over to plansimplemeals.com slash fall and sign on up. And we're going to jump in in just a couple of weeks and it's going to be super fun. And I'm excited for it too, because we start school in just a couple of days and it's exciting and nerve wracking. And I can't even imagine how I'm going to get everybody out of bed at 7am. But anyway, that's an aside. 
So go sign up and join us in a couple weeks. All right. Having a child with special eating needs. That is what we're going to talk about today. And I just want to say for anyone who's gone through this, I just feel like I want to send you the biggest virtual hug through this podcast, through your iPhone, because it's not always easy. I know because I'm sitting here right there with you. Now, I have the added benefit that I have a very similar issue to my daughter. So I too have celiac and I decided to not have dairy at a very similar time than she did. So we're kind of like eight years in and we've we've kind of got this down, but the world doesn't always support us. And I help a lot of people who are trying to make this change. So I also hear a lot about what they're saying. So here are my seven tips for if you're feeling sort of like you're battling this, like it's just made life that much harder and that much busier and you don't really feel like you have the space for it. Hopefully these strategies will help. And then hopefully hearing from Orly's voice herself will also help you feel at ease because wait until you hear her clarity um, on the subject. All right. So number one is upfront. It is a little bit of work. It is a little bit of understanding to understand what foods that you might think don't have the thing that your child can eat, have it in it. So in our case, we can't do gluten. We can't do dairy. We can't do beef. So we've got the whole cow thing going on. We can't do gelatin and we can't do red dye. And a lot of those things are hidden in food that you would get in the middle of the grocery store. So for the most part, we just make things from scratch. But every once in a while, someone hears gluten-free and gets like the perfect gluten-free cookie and comes and gives it and it has dairy in it. Or the perfect gluten-free Rice Krispie treat and it has barley in it. Or it has gelatin in it because we can't have that. So every I feel like all the people around us are so well-meaning, but we as the parent and as the person with allergies really have to understand what it is that we can and can't eat. And that does take a little bit of learning and a lot of label reading. You know, it's pretty easy to figure out what we can and can't eat when we're always cooking from scratch. But the reality is that that's not always the situation we're in. And especially when you have an allergy and you're out in the world, in general, people come at you with packages. So becoming a really good label reader is really important. And if this particular step feels really daunting to you, shoot us an email at mia at plansimplemeals.com. And I have some great resources, some great people who specialize in this, and I will forward you on to them. All right. Number two, education is so key. So you're going to get educated in tip one, but you're going to find pretty quickly that by osmosis, that does not spread to all the people around you, especially the people who you think it might. So it might be your spouse. It might be your parents. It might be your in-laws. All these people who love you dearly, love your child dearly, and are just as devastated by this diagnosis as you are, and are so well-meaning. I mean, they're the most likely to go out and buy the packaged cookie that has slightly the wrong ingredient in it. But you really have to stand up, feel free to speak up, and educate in a really nice way. And 
just explain what this is and you're going to have to repeat yourself. You're going to feel like a broken record at the beginning. You're going to have to repeat yourself over and over and over again because this is not part of their daily life unless it's your spouse. It's part of your daily life. And so it, as you're learning, you might have to remind yourself a couple times, but it's not part of their daily life in the same way. And so it just is going to take a little bit of a learning curve. And the more ideas you can give them, the more specifics, and just instead of just saying, you know, he or she can't have this or this or this, show some things they can have, show some places that you've had success and they can just mimic you, but you really do have to speak up. Now that feels kind of hard when it's your family, but you got to do it. And then the next level, and this is what we're heading into right now, is school and the people in your community and friends' houses. Friends' houses are sometimes really hard and schools are hard because you're just not there. I feel like we feel schools are a little easier because we can blame a school, but we don't want to blame our good friend when our kids are overplaying that they made our child sick somehow. So really educating those people and just going with your gut. So everybody's going to get on board over time, but it might take time. So at the beginning, you know, we had two friends' houses, which I 150% trusted their homes. I knew that they got it. I knew that they understood. I knew that they knew exactly what Orly could have. I felt totally confident when she was there. And there were other homes where this was not the case. I did not feel confident. And we don't need to put ourselves in that position. So just hold off. Invite people to your house. That was a strategy that I did a lot. Invite people over for food at your house at the beginning. It's a great way to educate. Um, and understand, you know, have an advocate at school. Which teacher really gets it? How can she help you advocate for your child when you're not with them? But really constantly educating, constantly remembering to remind yourself, to remind the people around you what's going down, especially if there's an episode where someone messes up. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to get mad, but you just got to keep educating. All right. So those, the first two have to do about education, both for yourself and for the people around you. The second one, is, third, sorry, now we're at number three. The third one is that being able to help out yourself is really big. Learning how to bake some great things that are totally allergy friendly, both for your child, but maybe also think about other children in the class. So have the empathy for everyone that you want to have, you want people to have for your child. So I'll never forget at the very beginning, you know, we had gluten and dairy, but we didn't have nuts. So I used a lot of nuts. That's sort of how I got through. That's cashew cream turned into milk, um, nuts added texture, nut flowers added texture to baked goods. And then all of a sudden there was someone with a nut allergy and I was annoyed, like really annoyed. But then I was like, wait a second, maybe everyone else is annoyed with my child and me when I ask for certain things to go down in classroom situations. So let's not be annoyed. Let's figure out a couple great snacks that are also nut free. And so that's what I did. I figured out a muffin that's actually in the Plan Simple Meals cookbook. I think it's even on the website. That's like a banana muffin and it's literally 100% allergy-free. It doesn't even have eggs in it. So learn how to make a couple of those things and volunteer and bring things in and serve those other kids in the class as well um, and show what it's like to show up in that way. It makes a big difference. Okay, number four, 
Childhood, this myth, this is a myth. This is dispelling a myth. The myth that childhood is pizza, French fries, and candy. It's all a story. And one of the hardest things about finding out that your child has an allergy is when people start telling you, oh my God, they can't have Halloween or they can't have pizza at this party. Or I don't want my child to be healthy. Like I want my child to be healthy, but I feel bad that they're missing out on this, this, and this. And you're thinking, gosh, my child can never have, you know, this, this, or this, whatever that might be, French fries, hamburgers, whatever it is, you know, Swedish fish. Um, So really understanding that that is a story that we started telling ourselves in pretty recent history. You know, our grandparents were not eating that crap on a regular basis. Pizza was not their childhood. You know, all this array of candy was not their childhood. Not all of this is stories that we've made up. And I can tell you that childhood is not worse off when you have to take out a lot of the foods that we have to take out for kids who are sensitive to food or allergic or need it taken out for some reason. In fact, I would argue in many cases, our kids are healthier. I mean, taking dairy out of anybody's diet helps them not be as sick during the year. Many people talk about how great they feel after taking out gluten who have you know, no celiac, no allergies, no sensitivities. So I always like to look at, look at it as a leg up and know that there's so many other important parts of childhood that have nothing to do with food. And I make sure that I just bake some of those into our life, right? So board games, walks outside, free time, you know, trips to fun places, zoos and amusement parks and whatever's age appropriate. That is what you're going to remember in childhood. The time at the table you're going to remember in childhood. You might remember the pancake breakfast, but I promise you, you're also going to remember the gluten-free, dairy-free pancake breakfast. It's more about the company. It's not as much about the blue frosting. All right? So that's a myth that we have to dispel in our heads. And it's not easy. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it definitely is a story. Okay, number five, get kids loving how they feel. So you're going to hear when we get Orly on the line that she really is proud of feeling well and being on top of all her food. So I just think that that's really important. And the more disappointed, we can be disappointed. It is disappointing to find out that something is different about your child. I remember feeling a little bit deflated and disappointed. And there's still moments where we're disappointed when we're somewhere where, you know, I haven't packed quite accordingly, or I haven't brought the extra snack. And I would assume that there was something that we could give her and there just isn't. There's definitely moments like that. But the truth is, is that she really loves how she feels. And the more that I cannot be disappointed out loud, at least, and really lead with this as a gift the better and better she feels. And it's not something she sees as that big of a crutch. And you'll hear her talk about this. So I'll let her take that one even farther. Okay. Number six, I think we're at a treat is a treat. Now this was a big one that I had to learn. So the thing is, is that when we found out that we had to deal with all these allergies, the first one we found out about was the dairy gelatin red dye situation. And 
I just remember thinking like, oh my God, like that's awful. We can never go into a bakery and get a cupcake or yada, yada. But the truth was at that point, I had three little kids. They were pretty much, I think, under seven. And we weren't doing that. We weren't eating lots of cake. I don't even think I let my oldest have sugar until he was like one and a half. We weren't doing that. So that idea that all of a sudden they can't have it. Well, like I didn't want the gluten dairy eating version one, you know, two of my kids to have that stuff either. And what I found is that every time, you know, in the tip before, like learning how to let kids love how they're feeling and not get bogged down by what they're missing out on. Every time I felt guilt and wanted to go to the, you know, bakery and get her, uh, you know, a cookie or a cupcake or something. I just had to remember that a treat is a treat. Gluten-free and dairy-free treats sometimes have a ton of sugar, a ton of preservatives, a ton of stuff that isn't that great for you. Of course, we learn how to bake great ones at home, whether they have gluten or not. There's so many resources for that. The gluten-free version you can find on Plan Simple Meals, but a treat is a treat. And I realized it took me a while because there was days when I was like, let's go to the gluten-free bakery, go pick out whatever you want. And I was like, I'm not doing that at the other bakery for my other two kids. Why am I doing this for her? Like, where's this guilt coming from? And it was really coming from that story. I was telling myself that, you know, childhood was pizza and I was feeling bad when she had a bad day that it had something to do with that. And the truth is it really didn't. And that a treat is a treat and it is so fun to go get a treat every once in a while. A huge tip I have for parents who have a child who's diagnosed with something is find those safe places. Find the bakery that can bake the best cupcake for you. You know, find the place that you, the restaurant that you trust, but know that it's still a treat. And that's totally fun to have treats, but they don't have to be every day. Um, So you don't have to feel guilty about that. Number seven, the last one before we grab Orly and get her on the show is that allergies and celiac and food sensitivities, they feel really, really rampant these days, but they're definitely not mainstream. And you know this if you've been diagnosed with one because you're still sort of looked at as the oddball in a classroom. And schools don't always 100% know how to deal with you. And even when they say they do, because I find as it's as they're becoming more and more rampant, more and more people are saying like, I can deal with that. You know, it's not, it's not always true. Orly will tell you about a story that just happened where, oh my gosh, the best, best organization ever. She was she got this amazing opportunity. They said, don't worry, it's all under control. It was so professional. And one night they went out for dinner and everybody was advocating for her and they didn't even see it coming that the restaurant just had no idea. And so three plates later, you know, Orly had lost faith. Like, why would she want to eat if it took the, her, you know, three tries of her educating the kitchen what she could and couldn't eat? And by the time you get a third plate, pretty much they've lost their imagination. So things don't always taste that great. So we really do have to become advocates. So whether you have a child who has an allergy or not, if you've listened this far and you don't, just really become an advocate. Have sympathy and empathy for that person in your classroom who does have an allergy. And if it is you, feel free to speak up. I'm working right now on a little ebook that has lots of ideas for snacks, 
uh, for classrooms and also has ideas to give a restaurant. So if either of those two things are something you want to see, send me an email and I'll put you on a list to get that. Again, Mia at plansimplemeals.com. And let's just help educate the world together. So, you know, it all starts with step one and two, and I don't want you to take all this on at once of just really educating yourself and those people around you and making sure your child is safe. But once your child is safe, don't forget that there's hundreds of thousands of other people out there who have these same issues and that not everybody is speaking up. And the more that we can speak up, the better the world is going to be for those kids and the kids who aren't even here yet. All right, you guys, sign up for that fall challenge. Those were my tips. And now I want to introduce you to the amazing Orly. Hi, you guys. Hi, Orly. Hi. All right, you guys, I'm super excited to have Orly on the show today, my middle child. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, I'm 12. I'm in seventh grade and I'm a middle child. I have a younger sister and an older brother and I'm a singer. Yeah? Yeah. You use your voice a lot. You're also an actress, right? <laughs> yeah. A budding actress. Who is always bugging me to look up auditions. That's me. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your food allergies. Uh, well, I'm allergic to gluten, dairy, red dye, gelatin, and beef. Okay. So it's kind of like we figured out, I think, that it's the cow. Right? Yeah. That's where it's most the whole of that cow. comes from. And then... You pretty much probably have celiac, but we just didn't get the, we took it out before we got you scoped. So we just decided to leave it at that. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell us three. So I feel like when, when people get diagnosed with allergies, much less that many allergies, um, that it just feels like, it just feels such like an overwhelming big change. So let's start off with just three things that you really like about eating this way. Well, eating this way just makes my body feel better in general. And it, I think it makes me eat healthier. And I feel like I would eat more like candy and like sugary things if I wasn't allergic to all these things. I know because you can't eat uh, any candy, pretty much, right? It yeah. All has one of those things in it. It all has either dairy, gelatin, or red dye in it. So we do give you some good chocolate. Yeah. I chocolate. <laughs> all right. So it makes you feel good. It makes you healthier. Anything else? Um. Well, also, I read a while ago that if you don't have dairy, it helps your voice because having dairy can sometimes clog up your vocal cords and make it harder to sing. And so it really helps me, I think, that I don't have dairy, and I think it makes me a better singer. All right. All singers listen, listening, please <laughs> remember the dairy tip. I love that. And so what parts feel harder? Well, I don't think the allergies in themselves, like having allergies is bad. I think the worst part is when people go and say, like, I feel so bad for you. It's so horrible. I wish you could have this. It tastes so good. And then I'm just feeling that I wish I could have this now. And before I didn't feel that way because I was happy with what You're I was eating and what I was getting. And then that just makes me feel like I'm missing out on so much. I think that's the hardest part when people okay. like actually make like. Well, and it's been, let's see, 
So it's been six years for everything and probably nine years for some things because the first things came out when you dairy really came out when you were three. So, so basically you don't feel deprived unless other people remind you that you should feel deprived. Yeah. And it's funny. That's a major thing I hear is that people don't want their kids to miss out on their childhood. Somehow we attach food to childhood, but you're perfectly happy until somebody reminds you of that. So hopefully that's a good reminder to all the parents listening. Okay. Tell us, let's talk about specifically about some of the meals and and what you eat for them. So let's start with school lunch since it's September and we're all thinking about packing lunches. What are a few of your favorite school lunches? Well, I like rice salad. That's probably my favorite. Okay. What's rice salad? Rice salad is rice with... um, carrots, radishes, and cucumbers with salad dressing on top. Okay. And it's all mixed together, and it tastes, like, really good. So it doesn't have to be warm, which is one of the bonuses of it, right? Yeah. And it fits into our favorite container, so you can have two fruits. An easy one. It's <laughs> yeah. easy when food is easier to eat. Okay, what's another favorite? Um, I also like taku taku. Okay. Which is rice and beans with, like... Sautéed onions? Yeah. It's just, like... You put it all in a pan, and then you just, like, saute onions, and then you mix the rice and the beans into it, and it just tastes so good. That's a really good way to use leftover beans and rice. And, yeah. And if you have an onion on hand. Okay, so that's a good one. And that one we put in a thermos, but that doesn't bug you. You still like it. Yeah. That holds up well till lunch. Because that's the other thing. Sometimes things just don't taste good by lunch, right? If, if yeah, and a lot of the stuff I eat tastes good at lunch, and okay. it's not like a sandwich, which you could easily get, like, all soggy and, like mushy by the time lunch comes okay, so i really a, like that what's another one let's give everybody like a couple ideas tuna fish salad is probably the other one that i really like okay so tell it we so we we use tuna and then what do we put in the tuna well we put chopped up radishes chopped up carrots and chopped up pickles and we also put the pickle juice and then like mayonnaise and salt and lemon and lemon and you it's funny you could have gluten-free bread you could have it on gluten-free bread i guess maybe that gets a little soggier than normal bread well, also, I feel like gluten-free bread, it's like you have to eat it right after you toast it or it just turns, like, to crumbly mush. Yeah. And it, I don't know that it makes you feel that good. It's hard yeah. to find a good gluten-free bread. Okay, so so something like tuna, what do, what do you do? How do you bring it to school? Um, It's usually in, like, a container. And then I usually have, like, I eat it in lettuce wraps sometimes and sometimes, like, on crackers. Mm-hmm. So I usually have, like, a little thing of crackers and then maybe some lettuce in, like, Potato chips. You like potato chips. <laughs> Doesn't that count as crackers? I guess so. Not really. Okay. Well, <laughs> Rice potato chips too. Potato chips. All right. And then with those lunches, we pair. What do we put with those lunches? I usually have like that as like a main part, and then like either like two fruits or a fruit and something for snack. Sometimes it's not a fruit, and sometimes it is, and. Yeah. Lighter lunches, sometimes we put a protein bar or something so yeah. you have energy for the whole day on those acting and singing days. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, any other lunches that come to mind? I, I keep thinking about nori wraps, which you don't have so much anymore, but you used to love those. Yeah, I used to have, like, that was really good. But it doesn't really work for, like, quick lunches. Okay. So, so. so lunch got quicker in middle school. Yeah, lunch got much quicker. So some of the things that I had before were just, like, I have no time to eat them. So it was more of a time thing that made me choose what I had for lunch. Because some of my favorites 
like the nori wraps had i had to take more time yeah i basically just i had like more than half the lunch left over by the time lunch was over so okay all right those are all fabulous ideas so maybe we'll have to put together a if people go to the show notes we'll put some links to those recipes because i think i have all those in the plain simple meals cookbook all right tell us about dinners let's not talk about we'll talk about the food in a sec but let's talk about just do you like dinner at our house yeah i love dinner and what are your favorite parts about dinner um well i like that we all talk to each other and everyone's there and we're all just telling each other about our day so we're not like what happened today i know what i did but i don't know what anyone else did and we don't know if something really exciting happened and stuff like that so it's kind of like and do you ever have bad days Yes. Is it still fun to come to the dinner table? Definitely. <laughs> it's definitely like if you have a bad day and you go to the dinner table, you're like, maybe this day isn't so bad after all. Oh, I like that. Do something. Sometimes we use the dinner table to say the bad things, but then it feels maybe it feels better after that. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of food, let's talk about food at dinner. What are um, some of your favorite foods? Well, I like chicken, mm-hmm. and I like onion mm-hmm. and I like rice mm-hmm. but I also like veggies and fruits okay so let's let's do so what do we have for dinner tonight we had um steamed sausage on top of steamed cabbage yeah with like spices on it so that made cabbage taste good which was all put on top of rice yeah that was good and it's it's cool because I'm doing something right now where I'm trying not to eat as much carbohydrates, um, which is, you know, we just talk about that being different for adults and kids. And so I can eat that without the rice. And your sister who's decided that she's a vegetarian with me, we, we put tofu on the side. It was kind of like a one pot thing, but we cooked the tofu on half and the sausage on the other half. And yeah, it worked out. Okay. So that's a good dinner. We do what about taco night? Do you like taco night? I love taco night. It's just like so many toppings. Yeah. That I can eat all of them. Yeah. Usually I feel like the toppings are all like, oh, this has touched gluten and this has touched dairy and you can't have this one. But on taco night, I'm just like, I can have all this stuff. Yeah. So we do so. a meat filling, which is like brown turkey, and we do a tofu filling. And then what are the other sides we put in tacos? We have rice, lettuce, guacamole. Green sauce, beans, um, pico de gallo, and a lot of other stuff depending on like what we have in the fridge and stuff like that. Yeah, and corn tortillas that we make Papa go get from the good place and yeah. where he works. Any other dinners to write home about or to tell everyone listening about? Um, I really like curries. Mm. Especially like when it's peppers. And onions and, like, chicken or tofu. And it's just with, like, the curry sauce and you mix it all together and then you put it on rice. And I just think that tastes good. That's kind of a new thing, actually. Yeah. So, and, so you recently had that and the curry is always a little creamy because it has coconut milk in it. So it probably has that creamy flavor that you don't always get without dairy. Yeah, it's really good. All right, and anything else? Guacamole. Guacamole is new for you, actually. Yeah, I just started really liking guacamole. So. <laughs> you must be needing avocados. <laughs> 
I love that. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about going out to eat. So I guess when you were diagnosed with this allergy, um, we didn't go out quite as much as we, as we used to before we knew, or before I got healthy, I guess. I guess when I got healthy, I realized how much we were going out, how that food wasn't making me feel good, how much we're spending on going out or getting sort of pre-made food. So we really had to up cooking at home because I realized how much allergy, like how much allergens were in all the food we were getting. So we don't go out that much, but when we do go out, what's your favorite place? What, like, what kind of place do you like to go to? Well, I really like this place called La Victoria in our town. Mm-hmm. And what kind of food is it? It's Mexican food and it's really good. And I know they're doing like dairy free and gluten free because when you do it, you can see like behind the counter because it's like a glass front. So you can kind of see if they're doing it like allergy friendly or if they're just contaminating everything. So what are some of the things that you that they do that you know make it allergy friendly? Well, I know they change their gloves before they do it. So they're mm-hmm. not wearing the same gloves that they just touch cheese with. Mm-hmm. And when I get tacos, they don't touch the taco shells like the place where they usually fry them with cheese. They fry them separately like in tin foil, And so that really makes me feel like they're doing their best and they're not touching anything. So Yeah, that's, that's great. And we have a couple places that we know that we trust. So we have a Korean place. Yeah. Um, we like be good. Yeah, be good. And then there's a Thai place down the street from us. Oh, right. That we really like. And sushi. And sushi, yeah, definitely sushi. You can pretty much always eat sushi. You trust that. As long as it doesn't have the soy sauce part. Yeah. If it doesn't (laughs) have, like, sauce drizzled on top, it's usually gluten-free. And bakeries. We found bakeries. Oh, yes, we found some very good bakeries. (laughs) Bakeries are always fun because I can see your eyes light up when you can have everything in a store (laughs) instead of one thing. Because usually I'm there and I'm like, so what can I eat? And they're like, well, there's this one tiny little dish you can have. And then when I go to the store and I'm like, I can have everything. Yeah. And I'm just like, I actually get a choice. So that makes me just. Yeah, it's fun to have a choice. Yeah. All right. So tell us about a time. Have you gone out and it's not felt good? Like what makes it not feel good to go out? Um, Just like you can kind of feel it when you go into a place and they're like, not prepared for you if you've like called ahead and they like were just hoping that they could do it right when you came and they didn't even realize it was you and then you go in and you see that like you can kind of just tell by looking at the place I'm not saying judge by by looks (laughs) but I am saying like if you have allergies and you've had them for a little bit you can kind of tell when you go in you're like oh I trust this place and it's just kind of your instinct saying like either you can eat here or you can't. You can't. Okay, so recently, sometimes we walk out of places when we're together. Yeah. We've done that a lot. So if we've gone in and we're like, I don't think that I'm going to trust this. We've we've left. Yeah, definitely. And, and you've definitely, we've not left. We've not trusted our instinct before. And actually that happened on our, our year-long road trip and you literally threw up at the dinner table. <laughs> that yeah. wasn't very fun. <laughs> so would tell us about an experience that you just had where you went away and you were kind of stuck because you were with a group of kids. You weren't with me. So I went away with a chorus group that I'm part of and we were staying at a hotel and we went to the hotel dinner and I came in and so I told them my allergies and I had, I was thinking they had something prepared because we had told them 
before we came that someone was coming with allergies. And so I was just thinking they're going to know what my allergies are and it's going to work out well. And so I go in and they're like, oh, we're sorry. We only made one allergy meal because there were two people in the group with allergies. And so they had given it to the other person. And so they said they could make me something. So the person I was talking to talked to the chef and the chef was like, okay, I'll make something. And so he came out with this tray and it was like a stir fry. And I just looked at it and I thought that definitely has soy sauce. And so I said, does that have soy sauce? And the chef was just like, yeah, why? And I just like, in my brain, (laughs) in my brain, I was just like, how do you not know this? (laughs) And then I told the chef and the chef was like, oh my God, I didn't realize. And then he went back down and he came up and when he came up was just like plain cooked veggies with nothing on them. And by that time I was like, wait, do I even want to trust this place? Because at that point I didn't want to because there was already two times they had messed up. So I also didn't want just plain veggies with nothing on them. Right. And they brought up vinegar to eat with it, of all things. <laughs> and so I ended up eating one of the things I brought, so I'm glad I brought stuff. Right. So, okay, so lessons from that were always bring something. Yeah, always bring, like, a second thing to have if what you have doesn't work. Okay, so always bring something, speak up. Yeah. We have a lot of educating to do because not everybody knows about this. You really need to, like, tell them multiple times your allergies. (laughs) Like, you just need to... Even sometimes people we know, I mean, we've had to educate grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles. It's, you can't, I feel like you can't ever take anything for granted, even from someone who's a good cook. Yeah. Okay. So we skipped over breakfast. We talked about lunch. We talked about dinner. Let's, let's go backwards. Well, not really backwards, but let's talk a little bit about breakfast because I feel like this is an area where you've, you've changed a little bit recently. And also I get a lot of questions about breakfast. Because a lot of teachers, a lot of doctors, you know, tell you to start off your day with a lot of protein and start it off strong. And you used to do that. You used to eat eggs for breakfast a lot. But tell us what happened. So I just was eating a lot for breakfast and my stomach would not thank me for it. Um, I think I was like, all doctors are saying to do this. Everyone's saying it's good to eat a large breakfast and be ready for the day. And I wasn't like, fully listening to my body and what it was saying. So, I started listening to it, and it was just saying, like, I can't eat this much in in the morning. And so then I just started eating less in the morning, and I felt so much better. So now I just have, like, a fruit for breakfast instead of, like, two pieces of toast and a lot of stuff like that. And eggs. Yeah, and you do feel better, and you were getting a lot of stomach aches, so that's... Yeah. That's great. And you love tea, and you love having that kind of stuff in the morning you like to have smoothies sometimes yeah fruit and smoothies what's your favorite kind of fruit mango what's your favorite kind of smoothie mango smoothie <laughs> i think the one we've been having lately is mango and coconut milk from yeah the kind from the can so it's the full fat and pina colada yeah pina colada which is the coconut and uh, pineapple so not very different but <laughs> yeah all right So do you have any parting advice for the person who just gets diagnosed with celiac or some allergy 
and just feels like that means their world is turned upside down somehow. Well, I just can't stress this enough. You need to speak up and tell somebody when you're like going out to eat or if you're going to a party or if you're just going to be away. You just need to say that you can't eat certain things, that people are prepared and do stuff in advance sometimes too. Like if you're going to a restaurant, call the restaurant first. And make sure they can serve you. Yeah, and make sure they can serve you so you don't end up going with like a bunch of friends to a restaurant where you can't eat at. And if they can't serve you, sometimes you just don't go and sometimes you think you can bring something if it's like a lot of friends who are ordering there and stuff like that. So, And, okay, so speak up. And then is there any other thing that you would tell people? Well, I always think of it this way. If you think of what you can't eat more than what you can eat, everything's going to seem like so much horribleness. Like You need to think on the positive side, like, oh, my God, there's all this stuff I can eat. Even if there's all this stuff you can't eat, to put that on the side. It's like, is this glass half full or half empty? And so you have to think on the it's half full side. So thinking that you can still eat all those amazing things in the world and just try new things. Yeah, there's a lot you can eat, including dark chocolate peanut butter cups. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not all bad. It's not all broccoli, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Orly. Thank you for letting me be on your podcast. You're welcome. All right. I hope you liked my chat with Orly. That was a fun one. We got to look each other in the eyes and smile the whole time. So at the end of every episode, I always serve up three doable changes so you can take what you've heard and put it into action. So I hope you like these three. Number one, make an allergy cheat sheet. This is a great one to do. So this is what the sheet looks like. I just want you to make a one pager and I want the top of it to be what the allergies are. So in our case, it would be gluten, dairy, red dye, gelatin, and beef. And I would explain anything that is not self-explanatory. So dairy, for whatever reason, people sometimes think eggs are dairy. So I would say, you know, milk, yogurt, cheese, whatever, not eggs. Under gluten, I might put some of the things that typically people don't know have gluten in them. So maybe I'd mention that barley has gluten, that soy sauce has gluten, and I would just try to educate in the simplest, quickest format that I could so that it's easy to digest. So that would be the top of my sheet, the important no's in her life. But at the bottom half of the sheet, I would put the yeses. So things that really do work, things I've found that really work, and things that she loves. So that a grandparent, a school, and there might be a slightly different cheat sheet depending on the situation, can easily create something for her without feeling like they don't know the answer. Because a lot of times it's simply not understanding or doing, and the easier that we can make that for the people in our lives and for the people in our kids' lives, the easier everyone's lives will be. Okay, doable change number two, spend a week talking about how you feel. So I love doing this at the dinner table. You heard how much Orly loves dinner. And I do this in two regards. One, about the food. So usually I do this about myself and just try to model and 
not teach this one. And I just explain when I feel good and when I don't feel good. So, oh my gosh, I just ate that and I feel amazing because I ate just right, the right amount. My body was really craving that thing. You know, and sometimes it's the expected and sometimes it's the unexpected. Sometimes I'm really craving chocolate and I tell them that and I show them that I'm having it. I don't sneak it. And other times I just want a big salad and I tell them how great that makes me feel. And, you know, our kids are little parrots. And so I hear the same things from them, chocolate and salad. But just spend a week really focusing on how you feel. Now at the dinner table, the emotional part can also come up. So I do the same thing. I model this as well, although I definitely ask a little bit more of my kids. And so, you know, I explain when I've had a hard day and haven't gotten things done. And I explain when I've had an amazing day and all the magic moments that happened throughout it. A lot of times at dinner, we play a game called Thorn and Rose, even as they're getting older, they love it. I don't know if it would have such that effect if I had started it as they're older, but they've been doing it for a long time. So it's, it has nostalgia. And if you have young kids, they will love it. And the idea behind Thorn and Rose is that, or I've also heard it called a happy sandwich, is that you start with what might have been great that day and then you follow up with might have been hard and then the next thing is what was hard and then you sandwich it with which is good for the next day so it's kind of like what happened today and what you're worried about or happy or excited about for tomorrow and you're always starting and ending with the good so you're sort of sandwiching the bad and i find that that's really helpful and if it's ever stuff is coming up about food that's when i hear it so if it was hard at lunchtime because you know, the table at school wasn't clean and she didn't feel safe putting her food down. Or there was a pizza party and I had forgotten that and hadn't brought her pizza and she didn't like that. I will hear that at that moment. So it just really helps me keep a pulse on what's going on and what part that I can play either helping create different better food situations or helping her just be able to deal with the way that life is going to be. So that is really helpful. I do mostly suggest that you don't try to fix everything in that moment, but it's a great moment to hear and then go off and consider how you can make the hard things better, especially when it has to do with food, if there's a way to do that. Okay, number three, make lunch enjoyable. So this is a great time of year to think about this for anybody listening, but school lunch can sometimes be just a big stressor for any kid, but especially for a child who has to eat differently or feels they have to eat differently than the rest of the school. So just make sure it's enjoyable. Make sure that it's clear how to open the different containers, that it's clear what order or what things would taste good together, that it's not too complicated for them, that the food still tastes good five hours after you've packed it, or even more if you did stuff, pulled stuff together the night before, um, that they feel like you know, they're getting what they need and that this is an experience that they like and that they're happy sitting at the table. A lot of times kids with food allergies get pulled to a different section. So make sure that's working well. But how do you make that experience as enjoyable as possible? The lunchtime experience. And a lot of that's talking, a lot of that's experimenting with the right food and a lot of it's packing. So we'll be talking a lot more about lunches actually in that five-day fall challenge. So if you haven't signed up, go sign up at plansimplemeals.com slash fall, and that will help you check off that doable change.
All right, you guys, I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Bye for now. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Meals Podcast. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share Plan Simple Meals with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. I absolutely love sharing simple solutions to help busy families eat clean and live well. Visit HealthyMomsMeetup.com and come join in on the fun. In our free group, you can chat with me and other health-seeking moms, get new recipes and tips, and never be at a loss in the kitchen again. Come join the fun at HealthyMomsMeetup.com. I cannot wait to meet you there.